0: (laughs) Well, Merry Christmas and Feliz Navidad, Gateway Fellowship family. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand, it's his birthday. We best not give more attention to baby Yoda than we do baby Jesus, right? Man, I love you with all my heart, and we're so grateful that you joined to worship with us. This is the time where we celebrate over 2,000 years ago, God became flesh. And we celebrate that he was born of a virgin uh, as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Christmas time, it's the most wonderful time of year, right? It is the time for most of us, but it hasn't always been that case. Did you know that on Christmas Eve 1914, uh, it was a very dismal time. It was a time of, of sadness. People were dying, all because of World War I. Because of the assassination of one person, there was a conflict that escalated quickly. Then Austria declared war on Serbia. Russia got involved, declared war on Austria. And then France declared war on Germany. Germany declared war on Belgium. Britain declared war on Germany. And the whole world was fighting. It was terrible. 20 million people lost their lives. A lot of people lost their lives because of a military tactic called trench warfare. Armies would dig in to the ground, and as a result, the battle lines weren't moving that often. And then life in the trenches was difficult. There weren't a lot of good food rations, insufficient medical care. People were dying. People were hurt. There was a lot of depression and sadness and sorrow as a result. Well, six months into the war, Christmas Eve came about, and one person got out of their trenches and went into the middle of the area between battle lines. It was called no man's land. And he laid down his weapon and he asked for a Christmas truce. You see, he knew that there were Christians on both sides of the battle lines. And so for one evening, Soldiers on both sides came together, laid down their weapons. They began to eat together. They played games together. They had time of making memories and fellowship. And there was hope and there was gladness, all because they honored the birth of Jesus Christ. You know what happened the next day? Many were unable to pull the trigger. They were unable to shoot at people that they had become friends with. And this became known as the Christmas Truce of 1914. You know, today there may not be a, a giant world war, but there's a lot of war happening in people's hearts. There's fighting between Republicans and Democrats, and Democrats towards Republicans. There's fighting amongst races, fighting amongst friends, fighting amongst couples, husbands and wives, fighting amongst churches. There's a whole lot of fighting. It happens usually because of in an, an unexpected moment of, of conflict or expectations that weren't met, and then there was hurt, and hurt that was nursed became bitterness, right? And that affects the heart. The heart is either soft or is tender. Is there someone in your life that you have conflict with that's not resolved? And what is, as you examine your heart, what's the condition of your heart? Is it soft, tender, pliable, or is it hard, unmoving, stony, cold? You see, the enemy's number one tactic is to cause division, to cause separation and relationships. We were once separated between us and, and God, but God forced, He loved the world so much that He gave His Son Jesus, right? He sent Jesus to this world to reconcile us. He made the first move to reconcile us towards Himself, towards God. And we have that ministry of reconciliation. We can carry on that, men, that mission to reconcile each other to each other now if people will have it we can we can no matter how people feel whether they're open or closed we can still take steps of reconciliation so what would it look like this time of year what would it look like this week many of you are going to be homes with family members that maybe you haven't seen in a while there might be some conflict or there's been a, a lot of time since there's been communication and there's there's sensitive wounds there's a lot of hurt and there could be bitterness, but what would it look like if we got out of the trenches? Because as a church, as Christians, we are asked to, to make that first move, right? What would it look like if we got out of the trenches and we had conversations and we had a Christmas truce? What if this could be known as the Christmas truce of 2019? Imagine the healings that could happen between husbands and wives, amongst friends, amongst family members. And it all happens because someone takes the first move. You see, a truce is when when you lay down the weapons, when there's a suspension in the fight, and you begin to talk with the hope of peace, with the hope of reconciliation. This is a season that we've been talking a lot about the gifts that are given. This is a season of giving, right? Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And during our unwrapping Christmas, we've been discovering not the gifts that we've given, but the gifts that we give from our, that we receive from our our Father in heaven. That regardless of circumstances, regardless of what we face in life, we can enjoy the gift of joy, right? That we can have the gift of peace. We can have the gift of hope. These are wonderful gifts. Well, today we're going to discover our final gift during our unwrapping series, unwrapping Christmas series. And it's a gift that's pretty big. How many of you have ever seen a, a gift so big that it can't fit in a box, right? Like it has to be wrapped with a, a garbage bag or a, or a blanket. And this is the gift that we're going to look at today. It's the gift of forgiveness. You see, forgiveness is the biggest gift it, because sin is the biggest problem. And as a result, we can, we can imagine if, if today that gift of forgiveness is not only received, but also extended. What would that look like? What would that look like for hearts to be united, for forgiveness to happen? See, in the world, a common tactic to deal with conflict or hurt is the silent treatment, right? (laughs) Like whoever speaks first is weak. Like you win if if you don't talk. And and so it takes someone to drop the weapons for someone to be humble enough to say, you know what? Let's have a conversation. But oftentimes that doesn't happen that silent treatment goes on and and it escalates and the conflict becomes worse. Reminded of a story of a couple who got into a big fight. They were so upset with each other, they decided to not talk, to give each other the silent treatment. Well, one evening the the husband was getting ready to go out of town. The next morning he was preparing his luggage. He had to fly out. His flight was at 5 a.m. He had to be up at 5 a.m. to catch an early morning flight. So he wrote a note to his wife. It says, please wake me up at 5 a.m. And he put it on her side of the bed. He went to sleep. He woke up the next morning. He looked at his watch. It was 9 a.m. He was mad as a hornet, so upset that his wife didn't wake him up. But he noticed another card written by his wife on his coffee table, on his nightstand beside the bed. And he opened up that that note, and it said, it's 5 a.m., wake up. (laughs) See, silent treatment doesn't get us anywhere, right? In order for there to be truce, in order for there to be reconciliation, someone has to take the first step. Someone's got to lay down the weapons and say, hey, I want a relationship. It matters more than who is right. It matters more than the pride. It matters more than the offense. Let's save the relationship. And in humility, you bring it before the Lord and say, God, I've made a mess of our relationship but with your help, by with, with your Holy Spirit, our, our helper, I can humble myself and you can give me the words to say and, and you can soften our hearts and you can bring us to a place of humility. So when you take it to Jesus and say, God, lead me, guide me through the steps that we can be reconciled through this miracle of, of forgiveness and you take it before the Lord, there's really, we can look at reconciliation and biblical reconciliation is to bring back together by bringing the balance to zero. Some of you have some of you who are a little bit older remember the old checkbooks, right? And You reconcile and you, you bring back the account to zero. And similarly, that's, that's the way it is in relationships. That when you forgive the debt, when you forgive the offense and you bring it back to zero, say, hey, well, let's, let's have a, a clean slate. So how do we get to that reconciliation moment? How do, we, how do we move forward and move on when there's this tremendous conflict between us? Well, there's five steps of of, of, to, to get to reconciliation. You might want to write these down. The first is to confess. There must be confession. When you feel the relationship is safe enough and you come in a spirit of humility where you're also wanting to listen because you know it takes two generally, right? And you say, hey, this is what was said. This is the way I understood it. I may have misinterpreted here, but this is, why I, this is what you did. This is what you said. And I'm struggling. I'm, I'm offended right now. And, I, and, I, and we need to talk this out. And see, you you share the brutal facts. You're just honest with each other. Again, in a spirit of love, tone matters, right? So after confession, there's repentance. That's when you make a decision. Say, I'm going to move away from unloving words and actions to loving words and loving actions. I'm going to make that effort with the help and grace of Jesus. And then leads to reconciliation. This is the key moment where you, you make the decision in your heart, and your mind, and you verbally communicate and receive forgiveness. I forgive you. I'm sorry. I, I, well, I want to make things right. And part of making things right, that leads to the next step of restitution. That is to restore what was lost that means you kind of ask God to help you like now that we have forgiven how can i go back how can i make an effort maybe it's a gift given or a word shared or a letter written that just confirms the direction that, that healing that you want to see happen in that relationship and so you do whatever it takes and then finally finally this is an important step you've got to have a funeral you know you don't you're not suppressing it's not like you're avoiding the issue you've talked it out you've you've forgiven but The enemy wants to to bring that offense back up again, right? And when you begin to replay the offense in your mind, it only gets worse. So you got to make a decision. You know what? I'm bearing this. I'm going to go forward. I'm going to move on. And what is in the past is in the past. We've forgiven. Now we can build the trust and have reconciliation. There can be a hope for the healing to come. You know, the first significant truce wasn't in 1914, it was on the day that Jesus was born. Will you open up your Bibles with me to Luke chapter two? Third gospel in the New Testament. And this was a time where there was a lot of tension, not just between the, between Mary and Joseph, although you can imagine how Joseph would have felt upon hearing the news that his girlfriend is pregnant, not married yet, and no one's going to really believe that story. I imagine that's kind of some of the thoughts that, that Joseph may have had. and Imagine the wound that could have happened in his heart like, towards Mary or even towards God. But, but beyond Mary and Joseph in the first century, there was a lot of tension because the Romans were oppressing the Jews. There were a lot of kingdoms at war. There was a lot of unrest. I mean, this was the climate was so ripe for for hope. and, And that is the context for Jesus being born. Luke chapter two, verse 11 says, "'For there is born to you this day "'in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. "'And this will be the sign to you. "'You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, "'lying in a manger.'" And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. See, this is the good news. This is the gospel that Jesus was born of a virgin just as it was prophesied for many, many years. And Jesus would grow up and he would live a sinless life and he would serve, and he would demonstrate the loving character and nature of God. He was just, but he was also full of love and grace, and he forgave, and he taught his disciples, and he modeled forgiveness. And ultimately, he laid down his life to be crucified. He came to seek and save those who were lost. He came to reconcile hearts of men and women towards the Father God in heaven. And so he laid down his life. He died on the cross. His blood was spilled. It was the only way that that our relationship could be reconciled between God. And he died on the cross. But three days later, he rose from the dead. He's alive today, and he's coming back soon. And through that gospel, through Jesus Christ, we can receive the forgiveness of sins. We can receive that ministry of reconciliation. But it's only through Jesus Christ, only through Jesus And you may be here today, and you're unsure in your own heart. There's a hard heart because of your sin, because of your selfishness, heart of rebellion, and you've gone your own way. Know today that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way to bring peace, hope, and joy, and forgiveness. It's only through Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16 says, For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God and one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. See, Jesus forgave us, and that wall of separation is no more, there is no more hostility. When we confess our sins, repent of our sins, confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, then we can have reconciliation. We can have a new start, a new beginning. And the forgiveness that we receive can be the forgiveness that we extend. You may be here, may be here and say, you know, John, there's, you don't know my story. You don't know how, how painful that wound was. I can't forgive, they don't deserve forgiveness. Did you deserve forgiveness? It was out of God's love and his mercy and his grace that he extended forgiveness to you. Ephesians chapter four, verse 32 says, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You see, you do not forgive because of the degree of the offense or even if an apology happens or doesn't. You forgive because you remember how much you were forgiven. And how, much of you were, how many of you were forgiven of much? I'm so grateful that the Lord forgave me, forgave me of, of my many sins. And that is the hope that I can forgive others and that I can receive forgiveness for my friends as well. Charles Wesley wrote these words in a song. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners, what? Reconciled. A wonderful story surrounds one of the most famous paintings ever painted. It's The Last Supper by Leonardo da Vinci. It took him three years to paint this, starting in 1495 in the Sistine Chapel. He had a whole team that was helping him paint this tribute to the Lord to remember what his last hours and the Lord's Supper together. Well, as he was painting his number one understudy, his apprentice, they got into an argument, a fight broke out and they didn't forgive each other and they went their own ways. Da Vinci had a lot of bitterness in his heart towards his friend, he felt like just abandoned and he didn't want to have anything to do with him. And so he continued to paint one disciple at a time. And he got to the disciple, Judas, and he began to paint the face of his former apprentice, his enemy, the man he was bitter towards. And then as he got, a day turned into two, and he got to to the place where he needed to paint the face of Jesus, he simply could not. It couldn't come to him. He just didn't have the the desire, it wasn't there. And so a day turned into a week till the time he came to the painting and he looked at it and he looked at his former friend's face and the offense that he had and he took a sponge and he began to wipe clean the face of his adversary and forgiveness filled in his heart. And it was later that evening, that night, that Da Vinci had a vision of the face of Jesus. And the next day he painted that. So the point of this story is with bitterness in your heart, when you don't forgive, you will never be able to see Jesus clearly and you'll never be able to paint him to the world.